Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do in the face of an international disaster decades in the making? That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com, follow us on Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. It's time to get outside. This is KSL Outdoors, brought to you by Trax Power Sports. Two hours of stories and information on hunting, fishing, and high adventure. Our host is Tim Hughes on KSL News Radio. This next segment kind of uh, falls into that high adventure category, I think. Uh, uh, yes. Navi has stepped aside for a moment, and uh, a voice we haven't had on this program in how many years now? Decades? It, uh, I don't know. You know it's, not, it's not quite decades. <laughs> it's it's about, about five years. Uh, Jeff Sorry joins me in the studio for this next conversation for good reason. Uh, and a little bit of history here. You used to be on with us every Saturday. Yes, you, sir. You produced this program for a number of years. Yes. Now you're on the engineering side of this business and spend your uh, a significant amount of your time up on the mountaintop near our transmitter site. Absolutely. I spend a week up there and two weeks down, I'm trying to pretend like I'm semi-retired. Yeah, so every time uh, you turn on your radio and it actually works, we can thank this guy. <laughs> but you're in for this conversation because, and I just saw pictures that came up on my memories yep. on Facebook from eight years ago, 2015. That was it. Uh, we learned that uh, the great Kyle Petty was making his motorcycle trek through Utah, uh, a little bit of Utah anyway. Mm-hmm. And we were both motorcycle riders, and we said, wouldn't that be fun to go tag along for a little while? That would be fun, and it was. With the likes of uh, the king, Richard Petty, his dad, and Uh uh, Herschel Walker, and many others. That ride is coming up again, and so Kyle was kind enough to give us a few minutes of of his time. Kyle, good morning. Good morning. You still got your bikes? (laughs) Yeah, actually, I've I've got a different bike. It's a new bike. And my classic got painted. Uh, yeah, Jeff got his painted, which w- uh, was badly in need. But yeah, we're still riding. That con- listen, yeah, paint paint constitutes a new bike. Okay, okay. That, that, there I you mean, go. That, that's, that's that's legit, man. That's legit. Anytime that's what I used to tell him about my race car. Every time I crashed it and got it painted, it was a new car. It was a new car, baby. <laughs> that's great. Yeah, forget the Carfax. Forget the Carfax, man. Just paint it. Twenty-eight years ago, you started this ride, and it's always uh, worth it to remind people of the charity that benefits from this, and that's Victory Ranch or Victory Junction, Junction. and your reasons behind helping this great uh, camp. Well, Victory Junction, we started it. You know, we started ride in '95, and um, so Victory Junction is a camp that we built after my oldest son Adam was killed in a racing accident uh, in New Hampshire, and I had we had visited a camp like this. Uh, it's a camp for children with with serious medical needs and chronic medical conditions. And, um, you know, we'd visited a camp like this, and Adam was all gung-ho to let's do something for these kids. And, you know, it wasn't long after that his accident happened. And just so happened I had driven some sports car races with, with Paul Newman. And 
Paul has his camp, the hole in the wall gang camp, and that everybody knows about through his salad dressing and popcorn and, and all of that. And now it's called serious fun camps. But, um, you know, I called Paul and we started talking. And the next thing you know, we built a camp here in North Carolina and we've been up and running for 20 years. Yeah. Uh, and we've sent a, 115,000 kids have come through camp or we've touched their lives in some way, shape or form, which is just amazes me in 20 years that, yeah. that this thing has done so much. And, uh, you know, I, I tell people all the time, I, I lost a son personally, uh, but I've gained 115,000 other little girls and little boys oh, that are, that yeah. are part of my family. So it's, it's a, it's a special place to me. And it's, this, the charity is, is and this ride is, is so personal to me. I love that. Uh, here's some other stats from the ride over the years. Almost 9,000 riders logging almost 13 million cumulative uh, motorcycle miles, $20 million raised uh, for uh, Victory Junction. And let me just say this before we don't have time toward the end because I want to make this point. One of the I'm 40-plus years into the radio business, done a lot of things. Mm-hmm. One of the great moments, and I'm sure it was for you too, Jeff, of my uh, radio life was sitting in a room at Ruby's Inn at Bryce Canyon because you were kind enough to let us ride along for one segment <laughs> of your ride. And we're sitting on the bed with your dad, Richard, and you just sharing stories about what it was to, to raise you as a child. I will carry that to my grave. What a what a day that was for us. And it was hailing like crazy outside, by the way. Oh, remember remember that, man? Oh, my gosh, man. And, you know, I, I love Ruby's Inn. We've been back one time since then. But that, that hotel, you can you can get a room that's actually two and a half miles from the lobby if you want to. That's how that's how that's how spread out that that's how spread out that place is. But man, it was hailing. It was cold. It was good to be in that room. So we would have shared stories forever just to stay in the room with the heater on. <laughs> yeah, right. Absolutely. A, and and we, in a hotel room with sitting in a hotel room with double beds, just talking, talking old stories. And that's, we, that's, we thought you, getting better. We than thought that. you stayed because you liked us. Now you've ruined my memories right there. It was just <laughs> because so of the sorry, weather. So sorry. Yeah. Uh, the other thing we'll take away from that ride, Jeff, and you know right where I'm going with this, is we got dusted by, I don't know what it was, an F-15, 16, 18, something. Something like that. that uh, wow. Remember that? You, how could I forget that? It about knocked me <laughs> off my bike. Listen, I've got my underwear framed and hanging on the wall. <laughs> that, that's, that's how much I remember. That thing come at us. When it came from the back to the front, it's when it took my breath. Right. I'm a, I mean, yeah. golly, that thing took my breath. You know what? That is one of the highlights when you – and God, man, I forgot y'all were on that ride. It is so funny that of all the rides we've had, I can't tell you how many people list that moment as their number one moment. They just thought that was the coolest. Thing. And for well, listen, when we got to the hotel that night, some people thought we had that plan, and I took credit for it for about three or four days before I finally told them I had nothing to do with that man. That was just some guy. It was just about out playing with us. Yeah. He was about what three hundred feet above us, if that. Yeah, it, it was right on that. The, the, the pictures. You could feel the, yeah, the pictures you that you're, feel, you could feel the temperature. Your guys, your guys took pictures from the back of a car that was leading us, and uh, it, when you look at it, he wasn't more than 300 feet off the ground. I don't think. No, no, no. I, I'm telling you, man. I, I think when he flew over, he flew over us so fast, the speed, the whole pack pick, picked up about 25 miles an hour for about a short <laughs> distance. That's there. about it right. Just blew yeah. us down the road. Yeah, just drafted us. us. Yeah. All right, we, we've got to get to the schedule for this year's ride uh, because is it just me or does Utah always kind of figure into this? And this year you're beginning and ending the ride here. Yeah, you know what? Utah more and more is figuring into it. Um, you know, last year we were back down in, in, in Bryce Canyon. We went over to Monument Valley again. Um, so we had, had, we're had we in part of the state. But I think, you know, when we – 
we say it all the time, and, and, I, and I know people think we're just saying it to say it. Um, but when, when we list the, the, the number one state, as always, Utah. We have been through every corner of Utah, man. We have been up the west side or up the east side, down the west side. I mean, through the center, crisscross back and forth. Uh, we've been a little bit everywhere. So for us, we've been through Salt Lake City. We stayed outside Salt Lake City one time, but uh, we just wanted to get back back in that area. So we're going Salt Lake uh, over to Ely, Nevada, and then to Tonopah, and then down to Vegas. And then we're coming into Cedar City uh, and going over to Moab and then come back up to Salt Lake. So that's a... We, we've kind of changed our routes. You know, used to we ride all across country and go all different directions. But, um, you know, our group's getting a little bit older. They like to sit around the hotel and tell stories a little bit more than they used to. So, um, you know, a long day for us now is about 230 or 40 miles. So we're just doing loops. And uh, this is such a beautiful loop, such a beautiful loop and, and such a beautiful part of the country. Now, you're starting out in uh, Woods Cross at Mannheim. And that's going to be yeah. on Saturday the 29th. Can you tell us what's going to happen there? I, I think there's something uh, fun that's going to be going on there. I, listen, I hope they're going to be feeding us breakfast. That's what I hope. Um, <laughs> that, that, that's, that's my main objective. But that, listen, everything we do is open to the public. So if anybody's out there, uh, come out. It's, it's open to the public. Uh, we want people to come out and say hello to my dad. And Kenny Wallace is with us this year. Kenny Schrader's with us this year. Herschel Walker's back with us this year. Um, God, Rick Allen's with us. Um, I mean, so many guys are, are back again this year. And then, you know, the usual cast of, of, of characters and scoundrels that we, we, we drag along with. Us. Um, but yeah, it's just, it's just open to the public. You know, Mannheim and Cox Automotive has been a, been a major, major part of this ride for 25 years since the very, very beginning. Yeah. Uh, so we try to hit a few different auctions along the way and, uh, I'm really looking forward to going out to this one. Been there, done that. Got the T-shirt. Actually, yeah. Actually, I need. I was going to try to get another one. I was going to. I was trying to talk Ginny into letting me ride along on that first loop, but uh, it's uh, it didn't happen. It's Ginny wouldn't let you. Uh, Ginny said. Uh, Ginny said I had to kind of ride behind everybody. Ride across yeah. America. Yeah. It's the Cal yeah. Petty. It's the Cal Petty charity ride. Well, it's, it's got my name on it. You're there you go. To the <laughs> okay, I'll show up on Saturday with. Uh, All right, come on out. Well, come on help. out. <laughs> Look, you you mentioned your dad. Uh, how much of the ride is Richard actually going to be on the King? Yeah, he's doing the whole thing this year. Oh, good. Um, you know, yeah, he's doing the whole thing. My sister's coming out. Uh, one sister's coming out to be with him the first part of the ride. And I have another sister that's coming out to be the last part of the ride. So um, he'll be on there, man, trucking along with us. Yeah, and the kids how- will be along with you. Do I? Are your kids going to be along with you? Yep, yep, yep. All my kids are with me. Uh, you know, Morgan, she runs everything, so my wife runs everything, so she'll definitely be along with me. So uh, it, it, I should just call it the Petty Family Ride because that's what it's turned <laughs> into. And Dad's on a three-wheeler. This, and we are this, part uh, of the Petty Family. I hope you know that. Yeah. Yes, how, you are. How, yes, you are, and yes, he is. How old is Dad? 85. 85. And he's still yeah, out there. Yeah, he'll be 86. Kidding me? Yeah. Yeah. That's <laughs> an old Old racers never die. They just ride motorcycles. Yeah. That's the way it that's, goes. That's true. That, that's, that, that's the way it goes. If you want to uh, stop in and, and actually feel the experience of this, it, it is something. And uh, the guys are always happy to uh, sit and chat for a while and get pictures taken. They're going to be stopping in Escalante on uh, May 4th, Hanksville, Moab, Wellington on the 5th, Springville, Salt Lake City uh, as they wrap things up on the 5th. So many opportunities, but it all starts in Woods Cross. Kyle Petty, I could talk to you forever. Uh, yeah, we can. Always feels like uh, we've just connected with family, and, I, and we appreciate it. 
Thank you guys very much. Thanks we've been for having ta- me. We've been talking with Kyle since 2006. I know it's been a long time. Uh, we'll look forward to the next time and look forward to seeing him out there on the road. Again, it's KylePettyCharityRide.com. Take the opportunity to uh, meet some great people for a great cause. Uh, we'll take a break. Come back. And Navi's rejoining me here with Fish Bites. So stay with us. Two friends taking pictures of the rising full moon on a summer night. Two teenage kids doing what teenage kids do. When a stranger with a gun and a death wish changed everything. It was violent. It was senseless. And I will never understand it. I will never accept it. I'm Amy Donaldson. And unfortunately, we're all too familiar with stories about how violence shatters lives. But what we rarely see is how they are rebuilt. In a new podcast, The Letter, we relive tragedy but only so we can hear the rest of the story. The struggle to reclaim lives, the realities of grief, and the possibilities of forgiveness. I believe in miracles. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are, and this is a big one. Follow the letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Papa was a fish man. Oh, yeah. He loved his cars and his steel guitars. Papa was a fishing man. Here we go. Ooh, way. A fishing man. I just picture you sitting in your recliner at home and out of the blue <laughs> just start going, ooh, wee. <laughs> Gail probably thinks you're losing ooh, it. Uh, before you jump in with what you had in mind for fish bites, let me just throw this out here from the Division of Wildlife Resources. They just completed their spring sport fish sampling at Otter Creek Reservoir. Yep. Uh, and they picked this spot because they had some real concerns last year. The uh, reservoir had dropped below 10% water capacity, and they switched up their stocking because they didn't want to lose a bunch right, of fish. Right. Uh, but they said uh, they were happy to report that the fish numbers and size appear to be great. Um that's a favorite place, by the way. Really? I love Otter Creek. It says um, they found older rainbow trout are abundant, measure 15 to 22 inches. These fish will experience exceptional survival and growth this year with all the new um, yep. all the new water. Chub populations remain low. Uh, the ones they caught in their sample were either very small or very large. Wiper was caught uh, inconsistently in their gill nets, but we saw a few very healthy wipers, five to six pound range. Right. And uh, two big browns they brought in on the nets between five and seven pounds. So overall, they're really happy. Well, yeah. And Otter Creek's a great fishery. Yeah. All right. So we're going to talk today uh, landing a fish. Uh, We're going to land a fish today, so pay attention. Um, Like I say, you know, hey, Mike, you broke me off. You know, no. Fish don't break you off. You broke them off. Okay, so there is a definite technique in landing fish, and therein lies a lot of skill. So let's talk about very simple rules. Uh, First off, we use a rod for a reason, and I say that because people don't really take the advantage of a rod. A lot of people will aim at the fish, and that means like point the rod at the fish where you can look right down the guys and you can see the water you're essentially eliminating your rod and your rod is conducive to landing this fish. If that, if you aim at the fish, he's on the line and, and therein is a problem because Mm. most of the lines can't hold a fish. So that's why you must put a bend in your rod 
and that adds as a shock absorber. So any quick jolt or run won't break your fish. Okay, so um, that rod is really important to the land itself. And now, uh, you know, whether you're fly fishing or whether regular spin fishing, uh, by the way, here's a good question for you, Jim. What's the difference between a fly rod and a spin rod? I don't know. 200 bucks. <laughs> Other than the reel that's on right, it, maybe. Right. Um, it's fly fishing. It's going to cost more. That's just how it is. Yeah. You can buy the weights for, for regular fishing or the baits for buy the regular fishing because they're just as lead as the others. Gotcha. But anyway, so, okay, so that bend in the rod really matters. And then you want to exacerbate that advantage by raising that rod. So when I say people raise the rod, they'll, like, put their – fist in the middle of their chest and the rod be straight up. But I want you to, as we say, I yell when they're landing it, smell your armpit, smell your armpit. I want your arm as high as it can get because the higher you are on that angle, the more it favors you. So it's like a boxing match, okay? Fish advantage, your advantage. Fish advantage, your advantage. And if you know your advantages, you're going to get this fish in. So you want to get that rod really high. So it's virtually impossible for a fish to break you off. If your rod is vertical and tall, right, because of the angle to the water, no matter how hard they pull, there's no way they could break that line, even two-pound test. Um, like when I had the shop, people would come in and say, I want to buy a rod for my son. And they go, yeah, what are you thinking? And he goes, I'm thinking an eight and a half. I go, your son's already short. Don't make it worse. Mm. A longer rod is an advantage, okay? So you hold your rod up and you turn your your body to face the fish, okay? And then that rod should bend. And now how much should it bend? Well, if you look at a rod in your mind right now straight up, right? That would be neutral and then you're going to it's going to bend and if it goes too far the line's going to break. So you want to or rod's going to break. So you want to always keep your rod bent, never straight and the, the increase that bend all the way to the max, and then don't go between the max and the straight. So if you just looked at your rod while you're nobody does this. They want to look at that fish. They want to see what it looked like before it got off. Yeah. But if you look at your rod and keep your rod in that bent position, never straight, never too much bend, you're going to land that fish, and it's only a matter of time. So patience is really on the side of the angler, not the fish. That fish is oxygenating bad. And at some point, he's going to fatigue. And the higher you hold your rod, the more difficult it is for him to get away because now he wants to pull against pressure. So he goes deep instead of down. See, so when you raise your rod high, the fish dives deep and doesn't go downriver. The current is the fish advantage. If the fish goes downriver on you, he's now in the advantage. So what you have to do is remedy that. Chase him. Right. I mean, use your feet. You know, you want to keep the fish going up. So when I say they fight pressure, if you're below the fish, downriver of the fish, and it goes up, now you are at a huge advantage because now you've got the current and your rod. Conversely, the fish goes down. It's got the current. Makes sense. And and so what you need to know, like sometimes you're in a big river and you can't get down river. I mean, like I'm in the Madison. I'm standing on a rock. Fish goes down river. It's pretty much gone. But an old guy told me this, and I've always used it. He says, immediately pull line out of your rod and make a cast down river. Make sure your cast loop passes the fish. And when it does, it causes a dunk, a jolt, and the fish will always turn around. Go the other way. Right. And you know what? That has happened to me 100% of the attempts I've ever tried. So 
Firm believer in that. And, and the bend in the rod, no matter what size fish you're dealing with? Yeah, you want that bend in the rod and just be patient. They can't break it if it's high and and not overbent. Hmm. Always good stuff. And one more thing. Yeah. Most of the fish are lost not because of bad fighting, bad setting. Finn watch people catch a um, you know, catch a fish with a hook and they barely set it and he goes, Okay, you're gonna lose this fish and then but let's fight him, right? Because yeah. you didn't put enough set into the jaw. And uh, if you took the class, this guy'd be standing behind you going, Set! 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 <laughs> That's a fish! That's a fish! Smell your armpit! Smell your armpit! <laughs> And anybody that was standing outside of your uh, class zone know, would wonder, afraid. what the heck is they this guy doing? Me, yeah. All right, we're going to take a break. Uh, we're going to go from talking fish to talking birds. Faith Jolly joins us to start hour number two coming up next. Yeah, Papa was a fishing man. Papa was a fishing man. A gun in the face. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. Started two years of horror for an American in Venezuela. They said, you need to give us your phone and get ready because you're coming with us. I'm Becky Bruce, and I spent a year researching and piecing together Josh and Tammy Holt's story about their ordeal in a notorious prison. That's when everything started to turn bad. We had another pound on the door. Boom, boom, boom. And there was the police once again. You can binge all of the episodes of Hope in Darkness on kslpodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts.